Please don't go before me. If I go before you, it's so much easier. Are you recording right now? Yeah. Bobby, is this the start of the show? I'm just... <laughs> Are we starting the show like this? Yeah, I know we were having a very serious conversation leading into what is going to be a session recording for... It happened on Fifth Avenue, directed <laughs> by Roy Del Ruth, but I thought I'd catch this real moment on microphone. Okay. Please don't... Please don't die before me. That is my plan. Is to not die before you. You promise? I promise. I'll do everything in my power, which means we got to start. I got to start being healthier. Because if the other thing happens, God forbid, I really hope my friends um, kind of do kind of come together for some kind of, uh, at the minimum, a moral support. Yeah. And because I'm going to really need some structure to get everything straightened out. Um, but it's terrifying, <laughs> that thought. Yeah. Because if I go first, it's going to suck for you, obviously. Yeah. But not financially. Well, I have really good life insurance policy. On me? I don't know, like, if I die, that you get. Mm. I'm not going to say how much on here, but I'm going to say that you could really almost pay the house off. Okay, well, I changed my mind. <laughs> You, dude. How you feeling today? Hey! Stop <laughs> it! <laughs> well, welcome to Movie Uppers. I am Bob Sham. I am his wife, Angela, who and feels she's, just fine today. And I just want to say that there's, there's something's wrong with her. She's not hey, feeling well. Oh, oh, if something happens to me. Who knows what happens. How bad are you going to feel? I yeah, I would. saying that shit. Look, this is how we cope with my dread. Just because I told you that I have life insurance. I'm coping with dread and mortality. I knew you had life insurance, but like... Actually, I will say it probably couldn't completely pay off the house since we just did it a second. I mean, let's be honest. If that happened, yeah, take your life insurance. I'm not even concerned with how much it is. I don't care. No, I know. But I would sell the house then. Of course. If something happened to you, I would sell the house too. It's too big of a house for one person. Yeah. And then all these, me and these dogs would be like, I'd be sad old man with long toenails up in some. <laughs> I just stick a trailer on a couple acres, sit there and wait for fate to finish me off. Wait for the vultures. To... Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> My God. Man, I mean, we're real. We're keeping it raw for the holiday spirit. Can you see my skeleton wearing a Santa hat in this screen? Uh, You can see the bit of the Santa hat dangling down. Look, it's Monday, so we're talking about the Christmas classics. This one may not be... (laughs) I thought you were going to say it's Monday, so we're talking about death. We're talking about death. (laughs) and and It's Monday in December, so we're talking about death. (laughs) 
hey, just for the record, I love you. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to die. I love you soon, too. Hopefully. Well, we all will go. Yeah. And the news is sad too for folks uh, yeah. all over the world. There's terrible things happening right There's now. always an apocalypse somewhere. Good God, can we get out of this hole? I know, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you took me here. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm, I apologize. You know, this this movie is a movie that we happened on accidentally a couple years ago. We had no idea what it was. It was on Max when they had that TCM hub, Turner mm-hmm. Classic Movies hub. And we just were looking for something to watch. We were at a cabin. It was Christmas time, and we just clicked on it. This movie is was is pretty fun. It's it, so much fun and crazy. Maybe one of the most contrived concepts in a movie you've ever seen, but it, the movie is sharp enough and witty enough that you don't you kind of look past it a little bit. But it is admi- admittedly completely fucking insane, it's bonkers. Yeah, and this is I think this is worthy. A holiday fair to put in the ranks of all your other Christmas classics. Absolutely. Apparently, people through the years do consider this one of them. I had just never heard of it. Well, this movie, like, it costs, like, a a little over a million. Like, it made just about its money back. And it came out the same year as Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, so it just got eclipsed. It definitely got overshadowed for its time. But but I think you're right in the sense that... (laughs) Over time, this movie, maybe as it was played on television over the years or, or whatever, and there is, there is, you could call it a more of a cult following towards this particular movie. Oh, definitely. And, uh, yeah, we're talking about it happened on Fifth Avenue, directed by Roy Del Ruth. The first movie from Roy Del Ruth's own production company in an early film from the Allied Artist Studio. Uh, written by Everett Freeman, H. Clyde Lewis, and Frederick Stefani, starring Victor Moore, uh, who plays the, uh, hobo king, McKeever. Um, Don DeFore, who is kind of our, our comedic young hunk personality. He was known for Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. And Gail Storm and Charlie, Gail Storm is the dot, plays the daughter of Trudy. Uh, and and then Charlie Ruggles plays the second wealthiest man in the world, Michael O'Connor, as well as many others. So McKeever, we will call Mac because Ma- that's what they call him mm-hmm. here. And the girl is Trudy and the guy's name is Jim. Yeah. Those are our main three characters. And then her father, yeah, Mr. Moneybags. Now, and now we're talking about, in reflecting upon these classic Christmas movies, We've been struck by how anti-cynical they are. Mm -hmm. And this one more so. There's almost like, you know, there's a certain point in American history, especially in the 40s, coming out of that Roosevelt era. Like, there was some, don't get me wrong, there's some real problems in America regarding segregation, redlining, and shit like that. But there was almost like this overall tone that was maybe akin to some kind of uh, like a democratic socialism that notion, that spirit of anti-cynicism kind of speaks to the older version. I think the modern contemporary notion of a democratic socialism is more kind of on a, think about like speeches by MLK and stuff. That kind of, I kind of credit that as more of a modern mm. aspect of what one might be a democratic socialist kind of viewpoint. But this movie, in a sense, kind of says there shouldn't be any empty houses. Yeah. That's kind of what this movie straight Everyone up says. Everyone should have often. a home. Like, no home should be empty, and any empty home should have be providing safety 
for a family or anybody that might need it. Like there is, it is a weird kind of con. I mean, in the end, this, this bill, this greedy multi-millionaire, like just in to make sense of the plot, he actually does seem like maybe the nicest multi-millionaire you ever met just for the fact that he doesn't put his foot down immediately just so this bizarre plot can go forward. That's true. You know, it's 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 truly like you said it's no ho- no house should go empty, but it's also this idea of this man who has more than he can use and then all these other people who have nothing at all. So it it's also the idea of not just that no house should go empty, but no one should be without a home. Like, no one should be without shelter. Yeah. It should be something that is just available and affordable and everybody can get it. And, well, and so it's reflecting on the troubles of real estate in New York City, which is also an issue that you can put in modern New York City in in its extremity, as well as all over the country in the most major cities. Mm -hmm. Like, even now, you can go to fucking Boise, Idaho, and the 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 housing market there is like a completely absurd. Mm-hmm. We're like kind of dumb lucky in when we bought our house. Yeah, we got our house at the perfect time. I guess you know, looking back in our life, uh, it does seem like we did hit some good timing on certain things. But yes, we got a man and his a man and a little dog. As play, uh, his name is Mister McKeever, Aloysius McKeever, played by Aloysius. <laughs> He's played by Victor Moore, a character act, comedic character actor of the day. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially, he's a homeless man, like a, like this jolly hobo-ish type. Like, I call him like a hobo king Mm -hmm. because he knows the tricks. It's like, he, he may be struggling, but you wouldn't know it because he takes everything in the most positive way. And he's very like free spirited about everything. And, um, you know, and naturally kind. And he knows that, um, around. I I know the dates on November 1st. Yeah. Mr. Moneybags. What's his name? Uh, Mike. Michael O'Connor. Michael O'Connor. And the second 1st, richest man in the world. Yeah. On November 1st, he goes to his home in Virginia near a place called Bubbly Springs. And so on November 3rd, Mac moves into his house. And Mac stays until March 13th because Mr. O'Connor comes home on March 15th. For the spring. So he spends every year... How many months is that? That's uh, like almost. Yeah. And this is a, when we're seeing him here, it's like his third year of doing it. That's like four and a half months. Yeah. he So O'Connor winters in Virginia, essentially. And the cool, like what grabbed us immediately is just the first few minutes of this movie. Truly. And I know that that's kind of dumb to say, but we didn't know what we we're getting into. But the man walks with his little dog up to a fence and he. What's so cool about it is he, you know that he knows what he's doing. You know that he's done this before. And so he opens this like panel on the fence and he opens up this like grate in the ground and he climbs down into it. He goes up into the house. He even has a little way where he fixes the lights so that if the front door opens, the lights lights in the house go out so that he'll be, he'll know if someone comes in, but also it's like a fail safe. Because there is a policeman who come by every night to just make sure everything's okay because this guy's rich. And because this is a place in which he lives and he doesn't want to leave evidence, the fact that he was there, he's actually very respectful about everything within the house. He kind of, 
and he makes this point himself in the movie. He's like, you know, yeah, I'm wearing this rich man's clothes and I'm eating his food and I'm using his fireplace. But these clothes would be ridden with moths if I weren't wearing these clothes and I'm making sure every this house is maintained and not dusty and yeah, not cobwebbed. Yeah, like, I dust things every so often. Like, I clean things when I use them. Yeah, he takes very good care. And security guards come around 10 p.m. every night. Of course, when they open the door, the lights will go off. And he hides. And he the, hides. And in the free refrigerator. What do they call it? The icebox? I don't sure, know. Sure, they called them iceboxes back then. And then we meet a fellow by the name of Jim Bullock who is getting forcibly evicted from his apartment. Don't you realize this building is being torn down? Every tenant has vacated but you. Listen, chum, I've hunted three months for this foxhole, and I'm not leaving this bed. Will you vacate quietly, or must I call your Cossacks? I'll fight it out on this front if it takes all winter. O'Connor's It's building. O'Connor's building, so he's... So automatically, he hates O'Connor. He's the guy that's going to tear down people's homes. He's talking about how it took him months to find this apartment. Yeah, I think it was four months to find this, and now he's it's out from under him. And he handcuffs himself to the bed, and then they literally like pull him and the bed out. So he's homeless because this guy has to tear down apartment buildings to build some whatever. And he encounters Mac's dog after the dog pulls a sprinkler up under him while he's sleeping on a park bench. Is that your dog? I'm terribly sorry. I suppose my dog and I are somewhat responsible. Why don't you keep him on a leash? Well, he's not afraid I'll run away. Are you, Sam? <laughs> Say, you better go home and change. Where do you live? Right here. You're practically standing in the middle of my living room. <laughs> Draw up a chair and sit down. Mac feels bad and invites Jim Bullock, as played by um, Don DeFore, uh, to come stay with him at the mansion at uh o'connor's mansion on fifth avenue i think that this guy playing jim bullock is is charming right he's got I a great like him. his delivery's great his delivery's great but every time we watch a movie from this time period like i feel like all these guys are of the same type and it, jimmy stewart's the one who bubbled up to the top so it's really hard not to compare like the guy in Miracle on 34th Street and this guy to him this directly because you can also see it. him playing those roles. Like, I this get could have just as easily been Jimmy Stewart. With this role, I do get it a little more. Yeah, and especially at the time because this was his It's a Wonderful Lifetime. John Payne on Miracle on 34th Street, I think he that, that role a little bit was just more like, I feel like a lot of men could have just played that role. Mm -hmm. But this one, I felt like Don did kind of stand out. Mm -hmm. But... But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. He does kind of seem that that's probably like the folksy everyman tone yeah. that all these studios are demanding men hit. And Jimmy Stewart was just the epitome of that. Well, he had been around for so long, even up to this point. Yeah. So he set the tone. He did. It's a, a trope we don't mind, but like it went away for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. it's, we certainly don't need it now, but there is something to say about that personality. I mean, there is kind of a virtuosity in how they present Jim Bullock because he's a former veteran. He was in the war. Mm -hmm. This guy can't make it work after he fought for his country kind of thing. Yeah. And, and life is against him after he's given so much. The society that is kicking him out of his apartment. Yeah, there's, there's so much in this movie that we probably can't even talk about it all. There is a point where, and obviously we'll talk about the different characters in this, but there's a point where he's talking to two of his old army buddies. 
And they're saying exactly that. It's One like, of them played I, by the skipper from Gilligan's Island. Yes. Album. They're basically saying, we served our country and now we're back and we have no like usable skills that these people want because we've been in the army. Like we can't make that adjustment mm. into now like working in an office. Nobody's hiring them to do yeah. These jobs because they don't have that business experience because they've been fighting for their country for years. Mac doesn't tell Jim that he's not the person who owns his house. He kind of plays like he does own the house and he's inviting Jim over to his house. And then Jim realizes that this is Michael O'Connor's house. And he's like, oh, hell no, Michael O'Connor. And then Mac has to say, okay, I'm not Michael O'Connor. I'm like a house guest. My name is McKeever. But he still doesn't tell him. That he's staying at this house without anyone knowing. Until O'Connell's daughter Trudy shows up. Well, you've got pretty good taste, haven't you? Come on, shed that mink. Who are you? A fur trapper. Come on, get. Get your hands off me. Okay, sister, you want to play rough? I said take it off. <laughs> what are you people doing here? Oh, we just hang around to see that little girls like you don't swipe great big mink coats like this. You get out of here before I call the police. You'll call the police? <laughs> that I've got to see. There's a phone. Go on, call. She just shows up. She's she's run kind of run away from her little scenario that she's in. And she just shows up in the house one she day. She goes up to her room. Goes up to her room. And starts and, putting on her clothes. And and they they find this woman there and they think that she's freeloading. They don't realize. No one knows what O'Connor looks like. He puts no pictures of himself in his and own no house. no pictures of his wife and daughter. The only pictures he has of them, he took with him to Virginia. In his one office picture. in Virginia. That's the only place where he has any pictures of his, himself or his family. That's insane. But in his Fifth Avenue home, his mansion, not one picture. You know that man, if he were real, would have a huge painting of Absolutely. himself. Absolutely. Maybe like dress like some Napoleon or some exactly. shit. Exactly. But yeah, so they think she's a freeloader and they're like, you take that mink off. You take those clothes off. She doesn't tell them who she is. So then they have to be like, you you stay right here. And she overhears them. One, telling him the truth. Mac confessing to Bullock like what's going on. And then and she's like overhearing this. And delighted by it. This girl is just having a good time. Yeah. She's she's all about like, oh, I just stumbled into a weird scenario. She's a let's see how all this plays out. She's not a, she's not demanding. And she's not, she doesn't come off as spoiled at all. No, this, this man McKeever is immediately a nice older man, right? Who seen, who he just emanates kindness. Jim is a cute guy in like marrying range and she's been lonely as fuck. Her parents sent her off to boarding school. Her dad sent her off to boarding school like four years ago when her mom and him split up. She ran away from school because she's lonely and unhappy. She has no friends. So the idea of playing house with these two guys for a little bit is exciting for her. And there is this classic trope, of course, of of girl wants man and or girl seeks this relationship with Jim. Mm-hmm. And she's 18, and but he's a little older. But yeah, so a lot of her goal throughout this movie is to get with him, which is pretty common for movies of this time. Absolutely, but it's weird how quickly people move in this. It's truly like, hi, hello, this is my name, want to get married? Like, that's how it feels. And I know it's not, but it's within a few weeks. She's like, we're going to get married. Uh, She also 
realizes that, I don't know if she realizes that he hates her father, but she doesn't want him to love her because of who she is. She doesn't hate her father. She doesn't. I don't know if she realizes he does. Her father comes back to town Mm -hmm. and she intercepts him. She meets him before he gets to the house. Because he's looking for her because she ran away. She doesn't have issues with her dad at all. Because when she meets up with her dad and they're sitting in the car, she's like... Joe, drive to the house. You can't do that. Well, why? Why can't I go to my own house? Because I'm staying there, only they don't know that I'm me. Who don't know that you're you? Mr. McKeever and Jim. Who the blazes are they? Mr. McKeever is the man who moves in when you move out. Do you mean to say you invited two men to live in my house? No, they just moved in. At least Mr. McKeever did. Oh, and who is this Jim? Oh, he's wonderful. Just like it's just some fun, fun thing. Explains what is going on at the house. Yeah. And then she's explaining how like, oh, and she met this wonderful man. And then when he's like, well, they need to get out of my house, how you would figure he would be. She's like, I've been lonely, Dad. That's why I ran away. How long have you known this, Jim? All my life, it seems. What do you want me to do? Meet Jim. All right, I'll meet him. You will? Thanks, Dad. Oh, but not as Michael O'Connor. And I need you to pretend that you're just another person a freeloader because jim's also brought his army buddies and their wives and their kids to stay mm-hmm. there at who this d- point who as also well. don't have homes her father the second richest man in the world agrees to just pretend to be another freeloader he's grumpy about it yeah but he just comes but- off as a grumpy guy oh look at that poor man on the bench what's the matter with him can't you see he's cold and hungry how can you see he's hungry? We must be. Mr. McKeever, couldn't we invite him? Trudy, please, you know how crowded the house is now. Uh, we can't take in every tramp in New York. Oh, there's lots of food and lots of room. This is the most understanding global multimillionaire. Yeah. I mean, he's equivalent of a billionaire today. You say that she has no issues with her dad, but but she does. Like, she's... She doesn't understand why her parents broke up, and she doesn't understand why she got sent away. And I think this, to me, is the most childish part of her, is the playing this game thing. And, you know, and and when her dad is fed up with it, she calls her mom to come. And you know she's parent-trapping them. Like, it just... Yeah, yeah. She just is. She doesn't say it, but she wants them to get back together. Well, she lies about her own history, saying she's from a family of 14 kids. And her dad beats her, and that's why her dad can't pretend to be her dad. One of the best jokes of this movie. Oh, God. But you must go back home. Oh, please, no. Not that. I can't go back to him. You're married? It's my father. He's a drunkard. He's lazy, and he beats us. Beats all 14 of you? Every night. Your old man's not lazy. <laughs> genuinely great great line yeah there's some really good one line no this is a snappy ass movie yeah. we, we pondered if uh white christmas which came out like a few years after this movie if danny Kaye's antics was the the pinnacle of comedy no, no. no he was annoying in that movie this movie has actually really solid jokes and one-liners throughout it yeah this to me is more of a like a theatrical 
This is a pure, like play. this is a comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy, but it's more, it's more like theatrical as opposed to like musical, sure. if that makes sense. So it is two very different styles that for a little while like coexisted, but this is so much better, so, more sustainable. So the ultra wealthy O'Connor is now pre- pretending to be a freeloader. And, and this whole bit is that McKeever is kind of, the boss and making sure everything is orderly and in the house. All O'Connor's clothes, still, and, and he's smoking so, his cigar. So O'Connor is watching this guy wear his nice clothes, and this guy's being like, um, "You need to wash the dishes a little better. You need to do this a little better." There's one point where he's like holding a bunch of groceries, and McKeever comes up to him and he's like, "Come on, Mike, hurry up!" Yeah, let me help you. Oh, thank you. And he just grabs like one what squash. squash? Off the top, like the comic, the comic timing in this movie is actually really good. He sneaks away a few times to make business calls, and he's talking about a million dollars on this, sell this, sell that. that. And Jim and Mac walk in on him at one point, and he's sitting in in the refrigerator room, pantry that's cold, whatever, talking on the phone, and they truly are like Mac. You're or no, just, no Mike, Mike, you're Mike. just stop. Why do you keep pretending to be some millionaire? Yeah, they think he's delusional. delusional. Yeah, they think he's a little crazy. So the daughter does call the mother to come up, who comes up, and the mom at first. The dad says he's gonna blow it up. The mom at first acts like she seems like some society woman, and she is. And then when she's in this environment, she goes full traditional, full trad. Well, she's then, back in the apron. Her and her husband met. Yeah. They were broke. They had no money. Yeah. And so it is kind of, so his wife does not really, you know, she'll definitely spend some money, but it's not the reason why she was ever with him. No. And like, it's why they split up was because he cared more about that. And he smells an old stew called Slumgullion. 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 Let me look up Slumgullion here. But yeah, he, he smells Slumgullion, which is something he used to, she made it for him the first time, and he uh, said that's why he fell in love with her. When it says slum going, just makes it sound like it's you're, you're something you eat when you're in a ditch. Well, they were poor. Yeah. It is. Also known as American goulash is an easy dinner of ground beef simmered in tomato sauce all day, and then elbow macaroni added in the end. It sounds delightful, actually, like comfort food. That kind of sounds like something you put together if you were high. Or poor. Or poor. Or, or both. <laughs> Look, you can be high and poor. All those high and poor people out there, don't think we forgot about you. <laughs> we used to be you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we're that far off. Life can turn on a dime. But right. uh, so the wife now is, you know, they're separated. They kind of fell out of love. And so the whole process is the daughter's trying to connect with Jim Bullock to get him to get her to marry him and she's also with the hell and mac and jim bullock are also helping them like find each other because yeah and so they're teaching each other the virtues of love and the wealth you receive in this world that goes beyond money yeah but friendship and family and happiness and and then paired with that right along next to there's this other whole story happening where O'Connor, while he was in Virginia, was trying to buy this army barracks because he wanted to rip it down and put in this, like, huge, like, air naval cargo. air cargo. No, not naval, but, like, air cargo thing. 
And so at the same time, without realizing that O'Connor's trying to buy it, Jim and his friends get like hundred of their army buddies to all pitch in and they raise like about a hundred thousand dollars to buy these barracks because they want to make affordable housing. And the idea came from Mac. Like he basically said to them, if you don't think he's like, you have skills. You're just not thinking about what people need. If you want to make money, you have to think about what people need and give it to them. Mm -hmm. And that's when they came up with the idea of, oh, we need to get army barracks and convert them into affordable housing for these veterans and their families. And so they have this whole plan. So they start bidding against someone who they don't know and o'connor doesn't know it's them bidding because he's not really paying attention to what the guys are doing even though they're all yeah they've got two different agendas but it's they don't know it's crossing over yeah and then when they eventually find out this is the part that i that i i kind of hate this part the most because you can tell that mike o'connor likes jim at this point but he calls and tells his business partner that when jim goes to try to get some money for like a partnership with this lumber company that O'Connor owns, doesn't realize O'Connor owns it. But he says, don't give him the money, but offer him a job in Bolivia and say he has to be a single man. So he basically also tries to send him to another country, forcing him to not marry his daughter. When all he really needs to do is be give like... Him the fucking money! Well, I was going to say, if he wants to be rid of him, well, you just call the police, be like... I am O'Connor. Everyone get out of my house. But he doesn't want his daughter to be mad at him. So he's trying to orchestrate this whole thing himself. So he and his daughter are very much alike. So now he's trying to orchestrate something that she won't know about to get this man out of her life and where it doesn't look like it's his fault. Wow. His wife figures it out (laughs) and calls him out on it. I mean, no one, let's be honest, no one would go to these links. But that's just that's this family though. It, this is like kind of an absurdist comedy. But Bo- bored rich people. And there's like little it. there's interesting little character specific scenes oh, in which they're like they go to a tailor. I'm not coming home. My wife is getting mad. She's leaving for Reno. She's getting a divorce. What am I getting? Custody of divorce. Alimony I'm paying. Payments I'm missing. To jail I'm going. My business I'm losing. I'm a bum. All because you are bringing in here an all-wool suit. And that's a comedic scene. And then they go to uh, Jim and Trudy go to a nice Italian restaurant. And there's this whole bit where the waiter can't get the table level. Uh And I actually thought it was really funny when the the people came and sang. You guys scram. Check out. I said check out. Check out? Ah, Tchaikovsky. Russian. Oh. Hey! Jim, all that stands between you and the top of the ladder is... Is the ladder. You can't climb that with an anchor around your neck. Oh, so you think I'm an anchor. I didn't say that. You did, and you can go straight to Bolivia and stay there. Do you hear me? Stay there. Uh, I think it was definitely a showcase for those specific comedic character yes, actors. Yes, yes. And um, The man, the tailor man was my favorite. I mean, there's one point where Trudy, come, Trudy comes down... And she looks like fucking Rita Hayworth, the lady like right behind oh, me yeah. or from Gilda, like, you know, holding a cigarette and shit. So, but yeah, so this is a movie that definitely is, you may not have the context for it, but if you know what to look for, it's definitely pulling from personalities and big cultural things of the time. Yeah. And I think that's definitely common in any comedy of the era to yeah. kind of pull from the culture surrounding it and spoofing it. O'Connor eventually catches wind of what's going on. 
of course, he he is kind of accepting at some point of Jim marrying his daughter near the end, even though Jim is, you know, homeless and not even approaching the class level that he's at. But but like I said, one uh, an, a, a pointedly absurd part of this movie is how much O'Connor is kind of nice despite being this multimillionaire and and but he does seem weirdly the most understanding multimillionaire ever. He does change. But when he realizes that they're trying to bid on the thing that he keeps saying to Ray, he doesn't know who's bidding on it. When he finds out it's them, and he finds out when he goes to the barracks, and there's actually people living there, so people are rioting, and there and one of his business partners who comes and goes throughout the movie, no one knows who O'Connor is, remember, so they think his business partner is O'Connor. So when the business partner comes out and steps out, they think he's O'Connor, and they start throwing tomatoes at him. O'Connor's literally like in the middle of them. Someone hands him a tomato. They hand him a tomato, and O'Connor throws the tomato. And at then the, he gets excited. He gets into it. He's throwing his tomato at the guy that everyone thinks is him. Everyone thinks they're pelting him. And he's sitting there <laughs> essentially throwing tomatoes kind of at himself. Yeah. And that moment is when he decided that he was going to give them yeah. the barracks. Well, he breaks it to them by having... As Mike, he tells them, oh, I've got word, i got a connection, and they're like, okay, Mike. But he's like, go to O'Connor's office. You have an appointment. You have an appointment. And they're like, well, it's worth a shot. So they go there, and of course, it's Mike. And there's a little comedy of errors there. where They, they try to hide him because they, they think he's... <laughs> but then someone him. comes to verify that, yes, Mike is the O'Connor that they've all been like hating on throughout the movie. and uh, But O'Connor gives them the property essentially and then they go back but they pointedly make sure not to tell mckeever mm-hmm. they allow mckeever to kind of you know live in the ignorant bliss and mckeever is very funny because he's um because people are going to have to leave soon he even talks to the police who catch him at some point to not get rid of him he's dressed up like santa claus and he convinces them to let him stay through the new year there's like some ancient rome i'm i'm not i'm not a historian here i might be talking out of turn but there's like an ancient roman holiday where the wealthy people would go out into the streets and feed and give things to the poor it was like something that saturnalia some some day I'm not sure what any modern interpretation of that should be. It maybe should it's be. It's pretty much just ancient Roman Christmas. But it's some ancient holiday where the the wealthy on this day give to people who have nothing. Saturnalia. And it kind of had that vibe on properties maybe in the old world or in England somewhere where they'll have this estate and then there's a little hermit mm-hmm. that just lives there. And there's some weird, the hermit's stuck in his permanent class status, but it is kind of. Like, there's something weirdly reverential to mm-hmm. him and who he is. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, that's kind of the feeling that they have for McKeever. I'm sure, you know, O'Connor is also grateful that, in a way, McKeever has been taking care of his stuff. But McKeever is trying to give tips for everyone on where to go when people come back. And he's got literally keys to other mansions throughout Fifth Avenue. And he's handing, uh, Mr. O'Connor, who we only knows as Mike, he's like who, who he's back with his his ex wife. They both admitted they never really wanted a divorce. They just and so the he, money got between them. So you got Mac uh, 
telling this billionaire essentially like here take this key to get into this mansion if you need a honeymoon if you, if you need a honeymoon you know and shit like that and they just let mckeever go on thinking that you know everything is the way he set it out to be yeah and so the movie ends on mckeever kind of going out and they just kind of look at him with like respect and dignity well and o'connor says you know, Mary, there are richer men than I. Mary. Yes, Mike. Remind me to nail up the board in the back fence. He's coming through the front door next winter. So this takes place over Christmas into New Year's, and of course the, the power of the holidays kind of unifies all these people this is also where you find out that he goes to bubbling springs and stays in mckeever's uh virginia house so he just lives in mckeever's <laughs> yeah. houses all year and that was the last time anyone in america showed respect to a homeless person and that's uh it happened on fifth avenue like i said completely absurd completely absurd but delightful but, but genuinely delightful and the message of charity is is nice. It is. And he is the hobo king. We bow to the hobo king, McKeever. Now let's rate this movie. You can give one through five and give one through five combined for best out of ten. So far for the classics, I think it is my favorite of them. Me too. Um, I think it is. I have to acknowledge that the story is fucking bonkers. But the comic timing and the jokes, they are actually really are good. And the characters are great. It is bonkers, but it works somehow for me. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to give it a 4.25. I'm going to give it a 4. Okay. So I think an 8.25, that's a great score. It really is. And <clears throat> I think it's deserved. I love this movie. Look, if your movie is at least a B, it's a recommendation. Absolutely. But this movie. I recommended this to someone in person the other day like watch this movie it is lovely but we got some a tier there you go this is in league with hot shots <laughs> bo is afraid mad god and snow white and the seven dwarves those are our other such a brand <laughs> 8.25 movies <laughs> and it's worth it a, a very worthy a and our highest rated classic christmas movie so far none of them are bad but so far, this one is the best one. Yeah. And next next Monday is Christmas. So I'll just go ahead and say that it is the quintessential Christmas classic next Monday. And I'm very excited to talk about it. I watched it all the way through for the first time last year. And when we're talking about anti-cynicism and shit like that, this is definitely a movie Well, I will expound more upon those notions as we discuss uh it's a wonderful life starring that man we mentioned earlier <laughs> jimmy stewart and uh check the show notes for links and other places to find us uh like subscribe leave a comment any any praises uh constructive criticism corrections i'm wrong all the time it's okay Mm-hmm. You can correct me. I won't. Uh, I will thumbs up you at the very least. And any cool, fun movie facts, I like shit like that too. But we appreciate you taking the time. You could look at one of a gagillion YouTube channels, but you chose this one. Saturnalia. Be nice to each other. It's pretty much just ancient Roman Christmas. Mm-hmm.